All right, y'all. Welcome to Common Sense Christianity. As always, I'm your host, Ethan Foster, here today with another episode. And sorry, guys, we had no midweek special Wednesday. I should have warned y'all about it, but I just uh, I just didn't do it. I didn't feel like uh, doing it. I've been busy lately with school and keeping up the ministry, but I am back, guys. And make sure we are trying to grow the podcast, y'all. So make sure you go and Subscribe, give us a five-star review, and tell everybody you know about this podcast so that they will grow in knowledge about apologetics and Christianity and Mormonism and all the other random interesting topics we talk about on the show. And I'm going to probably have a two-segment show, can't promise, but it's probably going to be two segments. I wanted to continue sources confirming the Bible since I haven't done that in a long time. And I just had two or three sources and I wanted to briefly discuss. And one of them comes again from Josephus. I'm not sure if I read this one on the last time I did one of these episodes, but if if I have, you get to listen to it again. So it says, this is a second source sentence book, by the way. It says, Herod, who feared um, lest the great influence John had over the people, might put it into his power and inclination to raise a rebellion, thought it best by putting him to get death to prevent any mischief he might cause. Accordingly, he was sent a prisoner out of Herod's suspicious temper to Maturus, and was there put to death. Iniquities 18.5.2. Uh, and this just goes to show the complete um, uh, parallel... Uh, what's the word? Parallel narrative, parallel plot... Uh, in the gospel and with the writings of Josephus. And again, like I said last time we did the series, and I see this say this quite frequently, Herod had, I mean, not Herod, oh Lord, Josephus had no reason at all to confirm the New Testament uh, story. In fact, he he probably wasn't, he was aware of it, but he, of course, wasn't doing this to promote Christianity since he was, an Orthodox Jew. Uh, so there, there was nothing in his intentions uh, to confirm what is written in the Bible. Uh, so it goes to show that this is actually what happened. This goes to show that the New Testament is reliable and it is showing, it is saying the actual historical truth. Again, this does not confirm necessarily that the New Testament is the word of God, but it does go to show that at least it is historically reliable. So it ends the atheist objections of um of the New Testament not being reliable. Here's a, another source. I I forgot who wrote the source. I forgot to write it down on here, but if you can email me at commonsensechristianpodcast at gmail.com, uh, you could tell me. Uh, who wrote this? I'll, I'll research it later. So it says, In the fourth year of the 202nd Olympiad, uh, there was the greatest eclipse of the sun, and that it became night in the sixth hour of the day, so that the stars even appeared in the heavens. There was a great earthquake in Bithynia, and many things were overturned in Nicaea. So again, confirming the biblical uh, narrative. And there's this much longer source that says... Uh, mainly uh, the same thing. It describes the same uh, incident. And it says, on the, on the whole world, there was pressed a most fearful, 
fearful darkness, and the rocks were rent by an earthquake, and many places in Judea and other districts were thrown down. This darkness, Thalus, in the third book of his history, calls, as appears to me without reason, an eclipse of the sun. For the Hebrews celebrate the Passover on the 14th day according to the moon, and the passion of our Savior falls on the day before the Passover. But the eclipse of the sun takes place only when the moon comes under the sun, and it cannot happen at any other time but in the interval between the first day of the new moon and the last of the old, that is, at their junction. How, then, should an eclipse be supposed uh, supposed to happen when the moon is almost di- diametrically opposite to the sun? Let opinion pass, however, let it carry the majority with it, and this portent of the of the world be deemed an eclipse of the sun, like others a portent only to the eye. Phlegon records that in the time of Tiberius Caesar at full moon, there was a full eclipse of the sun from the sixth hour to the ninth, manifestly that which, that the one of we speak. But what has an eclipse in common with an earthquake, the rending rocks, and the resurrection of the dead? And so great a, petru- a perturbation throughout the universe. Surely no such event as this is recorded for a long period. Uh, so again, that confirms the whole biblical narrative in Matthew. Because Matthew records all this, if I'm thinking of the right gospel. Matthew records all this specifically. The dead being raised, earthquakes, uh, darkness, which kind of most likely was a solar eclipse. So... Uh, that just really confirms it. It sums it up of the historical accuracy of the Bible. So, guys, we will be right back after this short break. I have an announcement to tell you guys that I'm really excited about. But just wait a second and listen to the announcement. And until then, see you in the next segment. So, guys, you've been wondering for the past couple seconds what the special announcement was. Well, here it is. I am appearing on a Heart of the Matter Redux February 4th at 8 o'clock p.m. with the most amazing uh, person, Sean McCraney. And if you haven't heard of him, he is truly an amazing dude to listen to. Uh, for, what was it? At seven or eight years, he had a show on local television here called Heart of the Matter. And it was basically about him talking about different issues in Mormonism, about their doctrines, about Joseph Smith, and he would do live call-ins, and they are very entertaining to listen to. If you want to learn more about the LDS religion, go check out the original Heart of the Matter. But then he got kicked off the air after going after some, uh, going after the evangelical uh, church and the hypocrisy that has been occurring with them, which is a, truly an honorable move. And I really wish he didn't get kicked off of TV for that. But he has continued it over YouTube, over the internet. So, guys, it is very simple. Heart of the Matter Redux, I will be on February 4th, 8 o'clock p.m. Super excited. Going to promote Common Sense Christianity. Have a com- have a hopefully long conversation with Sean. It really depends on how everything goes. Super excited. God bless him for letting me come on. And I am super excited for that. So make sure you go check that out. February 4th, 8 o'clock p.m. Heart of the Matter Redux. Check it out on YouTube or their, um, or their uh, what is it called, website. Okay, we are back, y'all, with Common Sense Christianity with segment two. And I am going to talk about 
a controversial topic within the Christian faith. Well, a controversial name, I should say, and that is the likes of Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States. Yes, I will uh, give my input on the man, and you will. You might be surprised at what I say. You might not. Uh, I try not to put my personal political preference on this uh, on this podcast and on my YouTube channel and everything else because it is not necessary for salvation. With Christ, you can be a Democrat, you can be a Republican, and still be saved. Uh, I think the evangelical church has taken it politics a little too far, um, and th- by throwing their support with Trump, it gives a kind of a bad rap for some for uh, evangelical Christianity. So I'm uh, looking at this NBC article, and I'm just going to read a bit of it to you. And it says liberals have a tendency to wring their hands at the the strong support president donald trump he of the, he of the three wives and multiple affairs and a tendency to engage in exceedingly unchristian like behavior at the slightest pro- provocation and he continues to receive from the white evangelical community white evangelical support for donald trump still sits at 73% and more than 80% of white evangelicals voted for him in t- 2016 but focusing on the disconnect between Trump's personal actions and the moral aspects of their faith uh, misses the issue that keeps their support firm, racism. Modern evangelical support for this president cannot be separated from the history of evangelicals' participation and support for racist structures in America. Evangelicals, in religious terminology, believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of humanity, they have a long history of America in America and include a number of different groups, including Baptists, Pentecostals, Methodists, and non-denominational churches. After the the skim the skim of, uh, I don't know how to say that. That was a weird noise that just made. Oh Lord. <laughs> this isn't going too well. Um Methodists and Presbyterians in the 1850s over slavery. Uh, conservative denominations like the Southern Baptists, of which I was a member of for um, about, how long was it? Around seven years, I think, uh, who who defended slavery through the readings of Scripture came into being. And because the primary schemes, uh, that's the word, oh my gosh, my brain has not been working lately, so I apologize sincerely, between Northern and Southern denominations was over the issues of slavery. In the in the pre- and post-Civil War years, African-American Protestants formed their own denominations. So let's just discuss what this um, article has gone over. So, of course, NBC is definitely a more liberal news um, organization. So, of course, you will see this in here. So why do white evangelicals support Trump? I'm just going to deal with this question objectively. Um the reason is, is because Donald Trump, despite his irrational uh, behavior sometimes during his presidency, Donald Trump has stood up for the white evangelicals. He he has been a very supportful uh, president towards the Christian community. Uh, he has fought for a lot of Christian issues, such as abortion, such as equal rights. He stands beside uh our freedoms to serve whoever the heck we want uh if you're a baker for example he has appointed supreme court justices that 
will rule in favor of Christian issues. And so what's not the like about him for the Christian evangelicals? Yes, he has sinned. Yes, he has done this and that. Yes, he talks too much. But when it comes to the end of the day, I'm not justifying it. But white evangelicals have good reasons for supporting him because he's standing up for him. So that's just, well, that's not even my opinion. That's just a fact. That's why they're supporting him so much. Um, But continuing with that, how do we justify the actions of Donald Trump? Now, of course, Trump hasn't really changed his behavior. Yes, he can be forgiven. Yes, he can be redeemed. Yes, he can repent for his sins. But I do not really believe that he has. I think every president that we've ever had has hid behind Christianity for uh, for political purposes. And they're not really Christian, but they cling Christianity to stand behind. And then again, going to what they were talking about, the churches such as Southern Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, and slavery— uh, you can find whatever the heck you want in the Bible and justify it if you take it out of context. context. Uh, slavery in the Bible was much different than the atrocious and, and horrible and mo- definitely sinful American slavery. Uh, what the biblical slavery was, instead of going to jail, you can be a servant, which was described as a slave, and in today's words, it will be considered a servant. You would serve the master that you owe your debt to for seven years. And then every jubilee, you will be released. You would have your freedom. That is so wildly different from American slavery. You can't even compare the two. I do not know why they always compare the two. I hear this from atheists all the time. Oh, Ethan, how can you be an African-American and still support the Bible? And all the slavery in it. Uh, because it is not the same kind. It was servitude. Instead of going to jail for years, you got to work your debt off. That sounds reasonable to me in that day and age. But continuing with the arg- article, evangelical denominations formed from these splits in the South were usually comprised of people who had made money from slavery or supported it. After the Civil War, many of them, many were more likely to have supported the Ku Klux Klan and, and approved of or participated in lynching. The burning cross of the KKK, for instance, was a symbol of white Christian supremacy, even though Jesus wasn't uh, white, uh, but designed both to put fear into the hearts of African Americans and to highlight the supposed Christian righteousness of the terrorist act. During the civil rights movement, many white evangelicals either outright opposed Martin Luther King or, like Billy Graham, believed that racial harmony would only come about when the nation turned to God. In the 1970s, evangelicalism became synonymous with being born again and also against abortion. And with the rise of moral of the moral majority in the late 1970s, they began to seek not only uh, moral but political power. Ronald Reagan who also counted evangelicals among his most ferocious supporters, uh, started his presidential campaign on the platform of states' rights like Philadelphia, Mississippi, where Michael uh, Schwerner 
James Chaney and Andrew Goodman were murdered by several Klansmen with the participation of local law enforcement in 1964 while attempting to register African Americans to vote. Decades later, the Reverend Jerry Falwell, the evangelical uh, leader opposed sanctions on South Africa's uh, apartheid uh, regime and insulted Bishop Desmond uh, Tutu, a Nobel, P- a Nobel Prize Peace winner, as a phony. Uh, again, they are connecting things that really have nothing to do with each other. They're connecting Donald Trump's um, overwhelming support in the white evangelical community to past racism and past uh, issues. It Really, when you look at the problems in today's society, it has nothing to do with it. I know plenty, plenty of white evangelicals, and they, they don't vote for Trump for that reason. They vote because they're concerned about the issues that are being talked about. People did not like Hillary Clinton, and they didn't like Trump. But, a, but people didn't like Hillary Clinton even more because she was a corrupt politician, and Donald Trump was a corrupt businessman. But also, Trump won because he was showing something different. He was showing something uh, completely new. So the voters were like, why not give it a shot? So they gave Trump a shot. And how, uh, how he's doing is up to you to decide in your opinions, I guess. Uh, but still, it, it has nothing to do with past racism. And I'm going to go on and end it there because I'm not... I'm not going to read them, waste my time reading the rest of this because it's connecting two issues that really have nothing to do with each other. Uh, thank you guys for listening and comments. It's Christianity. As always, I'm your host, Ethan Foster. If you have any questions uh, to ask me personally about religion, about politics, about anything, email me at Common Sense Christianity Podcast at gmail.com. That's Common Sense Christianity Podcast at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm the most amazing host on here. Ethan Foster here with Common Sense Christianity. Oh, and before I forget, check out our YouTube channel. Check out our Instagram, all under the same name, Common Sense Christianity. I put all sorts of different content on there. I do the Instagram videos on Friday, YouTube Saturday, and the podcast on Sunday and Wednesday. So check those out. And until next time, I'm Ethan Foster here with Common Sense Christianity. You just listened to an episode of Common Sense Christianity. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and family. God bless you guys and thank you for listening.